Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Kerry Martin, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're covering agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As farmers begin thinking about what to plant next year, what might we see in the Texas High Plains? I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. The Livestock Risk Protection Program helps ranchers across the U.S. insure against declining market prices. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We saw our first frost for the year in Single Texas, Blackland region. This is Dr. Shane McLellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. But first, here's a look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. What changes might we see in the crop mix in the Texas High Plains next year? James Hunt talks with two Texas A&M AgriLife agronomists who serve that region. In recent months, we've certainly seen a tremendous strengthening of the grain markets, and agronomist Calvin Trossel believes that could influence how our region's farmers leverage their acres next season. If those prices remain somewhat favorable, I think you will see some farmers in this region be willing to set uh, a little bit more of their crop production over into either corn or sorghum. Meanwhile, with the continuing decline of our region's principal irrigation source, the Ogallala Aquifer, Trossel's AgriLife colleague Jordan Bell says water consciousness is one reason some farmers are exploring less conventional crops like sesame. I think as we move into 2021 and just even going forward, there's a lot of interest in alternatives. What can we do to make these traditional cropping systems more profitable? Bell also sees the potential for other options like black-eyed peas, and both Trossel and Bell are interested in what lies ahead for hemp in the Texas High Plains. In Amarillo, James Hunt for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn and soybean prices have hit levels we haven't seen in quite a few years, with corn well over $4 and soybeans nearing $12. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue says you can thank Chinese purchases for most of that market bounce. The phase one deal with China obviously is ongoing. Will they meet those numbers this year or not? We don't know, but uh, they're continuing to buy record numbers in, in corn, uh, beans, pork, uh, beef, uh, poultry even. Purdue says other trade deals like the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement are also paying off for U.S. farmers. Uh, This was an agreement that had been done uh, 25 years ago, and we were somewhat concerned when the president talked about withdrawing from NAFTA, but when we visited with him, he gave us the opportunity to get a better deal, and I think we have in many respects. We've modernized it from a technology perspective and uh, solidified those number one and two customers there on the northern southern border uh, for a long time and will continue. The, the main thing about that is uh, Bob Lighthizer, our trade ambassador, got an enforceable agreement. If, if Canada now wants to go around and circumvent that agreement uh, with its class seven milk or those kind of things, we've got the ability to, to go and to, uh, to sue them with very enforceable agreements. So that's the main thing. No longer will we just kind of sit back and take what other people do to us. And Purdue says trade deals with Asian countries are helping U.S. farmers also. Uh, there was concern about withdrawing from TPP. 
but why should the largest customer of these countries uh, be treated the same as 11 other countries are very minor types of things. So uh, we got a, a better deal that way. A Korean deal was uh, settled as well, as, as well as uh, in the Indo-Pacific from Thailand and Vietnam and others have also increased. So I think, I think we've laid the platform for increased trade. I, I frankly, uh, I'm not a market guru, but I think you see uh, the prices being reflected are reflecting that this fall, uh, you know, going forward. So I think uh, I think we have reset the trading paradigm for uh, for the future. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue. The Livestock Risk Protection Program can help Texas cattle producers manage their risk. Jessica Domel tells how. Our series on risk management opportunities for livestock producers concludes today with a look at the Livestock Risk Protection Program. Justin Benavidez, Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service economist, says LRP is different from crop insurance and that you can purchase it at any point throughout the year. In a recent webinar, Benavidez told the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association that LRP mirrors the futures and options market. It's designed to be available to a lot more people because that futures and options market, if you're looking at the feeder cattle contract, you're going to be hedging on 50,000 pounds this allows you to set the weight so you can hedge a much smaller number of animals. And just because we have a smaller herd doesn't mean we shouldn't be participating in risk management. LRP is designed to help insure producers against declining market prices. If you see the price out in the futures market, let's say six months, and you think that that value is inflated, you think it's probably going to end up much lower than that, then this is the program for you. Because if you have an idea that that market is artificially high and you think it's going to go lower, this program allows you to set your price in advance and you will receive an indemnity if the price goes below what you have paid to set. LRP is available for fed cattle, swine, and dairy cattle. Benavides says you can choose coverage prices based on the expected ending value. You can choose coverage prices from 70 to 100 percent of that expected ending value. There's different endorsement lengths, so you can insure for as little as basically three months all the way out to a full year. And if that actual ending value that you've insured is below the price that you chose, to cover, then you're going to receive an indemnity, essentially making up that price. So this tool allows you to set the price much like an options contract would. Actual ending values are based on weighted average prices from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group. Benavides said LRP is cheaper than the options market and is available for specific types of cattle. There are also more weight classes and adjustments for some breeds like Brahmin. It is subsidized by the federal government, so you're not paying the full cost of the contract. The federal government is picking up part of that tab, and it is typically cheaper. Now, remember, we're not trying to hit a home run. We're trying to consistently perform 5% better year over year, and that gets us much closer to that 5%. If you're just floating with the market versus getting that buck 50, you're getting much closer to achieving a 5% better than average price, which is towards that goal of risk management and staying in operation long term. Again, today's comments were from Justin Benavidez from the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. LRP insurance must be purchased through a livestock insurance agent. After your application is accepted, you can cover in one year up to 2,000 head of feeder cattle, 1,000 head at a time, that are expected to weigh up to 900 pounds at the end of the insurance period. Additional details on the program are available on the USDA Risk Management Agency's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Central Texas has seen its first frost of the year. Dr. Shane McClellan has more from Waco. 
temperatures did fall below freezing for a short time in the early morning hours of November 16th. I have heard of multiple 31-degree reports for our area. With the dry weather we've been having, most people with livestock have been taking advantage of the availability of warm-season grasses and have continued to graze those grasses. With little to no rainfall to boost cool-season grass growth, it's been really nice to have some warm-season forages available for livestock to graze. The frost that was in central Texas, the amount that it will affect those warm-season grass stands, only time will tell. Not sure if it stayed cold enough long enough to set those warm-season forages back. Depending on the individual location, the elevation of that grass, temperature, etc., the freeze could make some warm-season forages go dormant. Uh, it wasn't cold very long, but it is going to bite back some of those grasses. There has been enough moisture to germinate some cool-season forages, and we continue to see them emerge, grow for a short spell, then dry and go back down. Just because we don't have enough available topsoil moisture, continue to allow those cool-season grasses to grow. Uh, we will need a rain to uh, allow those grasses to continue to emerge and grow to a stand large enough with a developed root system to just grow. Uh, there is a good bit of oats planted throughout Central Texas for grazing purposes, and so people have some nice stands of oats. The majority of acres planted for wheat that will be harvested for grain uh, have been planted in Central Texas with a large amount of them planted into a somewhat dry seed bed. A lot of it's got a good, nice, pretty, consistent stand across the field, but some of them just haven't had enough moisture to germinate yet. Uh, we need a good, slow, soaking rain in the near future to bolster growth of these wheats that have emerged and then, of course, to get some wheat up that hasn't germinated and come up. Uh, stock tanks continue to be at low levels. We really need a large runoff type event for stock tanks to catch enough water to fill. I always uh, dislike going into winter months dry. Look the 30-year average for our area, we typically have 4 to 5 inches from October 1st through mid-November. We've only had 1.6 inches of rain since October 1 through mid-November, so we're a little on the dry side for this time of year. This is Dr. Shay McClellan reporting from Waco for Texas Ag Today. The picture for U.S. wheat exports looks a little brighter according to USDA's latest export forecast. Gary Crawford reports from Washington. The export situation for U.S. wheat could be slightly stronger in this new 2021 fiscal year and in USDA's latest ag trade forecast. Wheat exports are projected at $6.2 billion. That's up $200 million. Up $200 million from the USDA's last forecast made back in August. This increase based on somewhat higher volumes expected, but also... We've seen wheat prices improve in the last couple of months due to really dry conditions and Russia and as well as Argentina, um, as well as in the U.S. USDA this month has raised its forecast for average wheat prices this season up to 470 a bushel. That would be 12 cents higher than this past season. Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Interested in adding an archery component to your vacation Bible school, church outing, or other faith-based event? I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have details on how you can do that coming up on Texas Ag Today. And this is the time of year when cow-calf producers are wondering if they have enough hay to take them through the winter. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd can help you answer that question coming up next on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. 
Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Hay feeding time is here and you always seem to have the question in the back of your mind, do I have enough hay to get through the winter? Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd helps to answer that question. Winter hay needs vary dramatically from ranch to ranch depending on amount and quality of the pasture. Dr. Glenn Selk indicates at Bovine Veterinarian that estimating the forage usage by cows can be used to calculate winter feeding needs. Higher quality forage will allow cattle to more than likely meet their nutrient demands and cattle eat a larger quantity of high quality forage. Higher quality forages are fermented more rapidly in the rumen, so the animal can eat more as the rumen will empty sooner. So to determine the amount of hay you will need, let's start with an example of a 1,200 pound pregnant spring calving cow eating grass hay that has tested 8% crude protein. Cows will assume 2% of their body weight, which in this example would be 24 pounds per day, but since about 8% of that is water, this cow would actually eat about 26 pounds of hay per day. We also have to look at hay loss from wastage, which is usually about 15%, so that means that this cow needs 30 pounds of hay per day hauled to the pasture. After calving, this cow will need to increase nutrients due to lactation and will need about 36 pounds of hay per day. Depending on your area, hay feeding will need to be continued until spring grass is available unless winter grass is planted. So if you have 100 pregnant cows, you would need to haul 3,000 pounds of hay to the pasture every day or one and a half tons of hay in round bales. After these cows calve, you would need 3,600 pounds of hay per day to feed these 100 cows. The size of the bales, bale density, type of hay, and moisture content all play a role in the number of bales you will need to feed your cows this winter. But this method will at least allow you to estimate the amount of hay you will need. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you're interested in adding an archery component to your vacation Bible school, church outing, or other faith-based event, you're in luck. Jessica Domel tells how to do that in today's Wildlife Report. Today we wrap up our series on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department's archery programs. In addition to TPWD's Community Archery Program, Bow Fishing and Bow Hunting programs, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department also offers an archery program for faith-based institutions and organizations. Rob Owen, TPWD's Outreach and Recruitment Manager, joins us again today to discuss the Center Shot Ministries program. It essentially uses archery skills to connect audiences with messages. We host the training that helps these folks deliver the skills effectively or, you know, safely with an audience. TPWD's archery programs are based on a train-the-trainer model. They're designed to show teachers and leaders how to share their archery skills with beginners of all ages. The Center Shop Ministries program can be used by churches, youth groups, camps, and other organizations who want to tie a faith-based message with a physical activity for people of all ages. Owen says in some ways it is similar to the National Archery in the Schools program, or NASP. Center Shop Ministries is not under the NASP umbrella, but they utilize instead the same training for their program hosts that NASP does. That means that Texas Parks and Wildlife is already hosting a training valuable to a Center Shop audience and Center Shop host. Details about all of TPWD's archery programs are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. Click on Education and then Archery. That website is tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, 
I'm Jessica Domel. Well, the markets were closed on Thursday for Thanksgiving. We had a very limited trade on Friday. So how did the markets wrap up the week? We'll take a look back at Friday's trade coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Do you know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We watched the cattle market climb all throughout the week, taking a break on Thursday, but we came back on Friday and the market finally moved lower. We ended up closing both live and feeder cattle lower on Friday. December live cattle down 75 cents at 110.62. February down 92, 113.25. April live cattle down 47 at 116.95. Feeder cattle closing the week lower. January down 35 cents, 139.82. March feeders down 27, 139 even. April down 7 cents, 140.32. Cash fed cattle trade somewhat slow all week long for the holiday week. We did see some sales on Friday in Texas here at 112. Up north, we saw some live sales in Nebraska at 111, dressed sales at 175. Boxed beef prices mixed on Friday, choice down at $1.21. 243.85 select up four cents at 220.94. Let's check a couple of feeder cattle auctions. We'll go down to South Texas and check out Carnes City auction. Carnes City, Texas, 830 head sold. The trend was steady to higher. Two to three weight steers, a dollar thirty-five to a dollar sixty-five a pound. Three to four hundred pound steers, a dollar thirty-five to a dollar fifty. Four to five weights, a dollar twenty-eight to a dollar fifty-two. Five to six hundred pounders, a dollar twenty-two to a dollar thirty-five. Six to seven weight steers, a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty-eight. And seven to eight hundred pounders brought a dollar fifteen to a dollar twenty a pound. Slaughter cows, thirty-five to fifty-six cents. Slaughter bulls 71 to 83 stalker cows 850 to 975 ahead cow calf pairs 950 to 1150 a pair Sticking with South Texas, we go to Beeville Livestock Commission in Beeville, Texas. 1,006 heads sold, the trend steady to lower. Two to three weight steers, $1.20 to $1.70 a pound. Three to four weights, $1.11 to $1.65. Four to 500 pounders, $1.03 to $1.62. Five to six weight steers, 92 to $1.42. Six to seven weights, 83 to $1.17. And seven to 800 pounders bought 80 cents to $1.14 a pound. Slaughtered cows, 20 to 51 cents. Slaughtered bulls, 65 to 70. Stocker cows brought 690 to 800 ahead. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs wrapping up the week lower on Friday. December down 30 cents, 65.87. The February down 42, 
6725. Class 3 milk did not trade on Friday, so we wrapped up the trading week Wednesday with November milk down 3 cents, 2311. December milk down 30 at 1533, 100 weight. The cotton market closed higher on Friday in a very light volume trade. USDA issued its weekly export sales report Friday morning showing a big improvement in cotton sales. Net sales of 354,700 running bales. That is almost three times larger than the previous week and up 84% from the four-week average. We closed with March cotton up 88 points, 73.24. May up 85, 74.06. December 21, cotton up 71 points, closing at 71.44. The wheat market took a big jump to the upside. That really was a correction from the big drop that we saw on Wednesday. It's not unusual to see very big swings in these markets during holiday weeks like this. The volume is very thin. Most traders are gone for the weekend, and it really doesn't take a whole lot to move a market in a big way. December Kansas City wheat up 17 and three quarters, 561 and a half. New crop July wheat up 14 and a half, 575. Chicago wheat closing higher. New crop July wheat up nine and three quarters at 606 and three quarters. The corn market closing higher. December corn up five and a half, 425 and a half. And checking the energy markets, January natural gas down 11, 285. January crude oil down 19, 45, 52 a barrel. The financial markets slightly higher. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 37 points, 29,910. The Nasdaq up 111 at 12,205. The S&P 500 up 8, 3,638. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up another episode of Texas Ag Today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. I hope to see you then. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.